The men that came to David became like him. They became like him. In much the same way we become like Jesus. The key to greatness is to hang around with Jesus and make him your identity. The key to greatness with these guys is they start to hang around with David and they make David their identity. He is their king and they're like, yeah, we're going to support you. We're going to go for it, bro. And you read of those mighty men of David and those stories and they're short little stories, but there's one guy... He's the guy who chases a lion on a snowy day into a pit. been said, if you hang around a barbershop, you're going to eventually get your hair cut. Today, Pastor Mark will be reminding us that the key to our spiritual success is to simply abide in Jesus and to draw near to Him. We all tend to become more like the person we look up to and spend most of our time with. Just like a son that admires his dad tends to follow in his footsteps, we are God's children and should admire and look up to the Lord and become more like Him. On the other hand, when we spend time idolizing the things of this world and look up to ungodly celebrities or athletes, we tend to live unholy lives. Well, let's join Pastor Mark in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 22 with today's edition of Come Alive. Only I can strengthen your spirit. Your friends can't do it. It might make you feel good for a little while, but your friends can't strengthen your spirit. And so today, this week, you may come face to face with some real trouble. I don't know what that would be or a real tragedy. And God's looking for you to be alone with him. That's what he created us for. for, Again, for that relationship. Not for us to reach up and try to grab him, but for us just to have a relationship. Just to be able to hang out and say, hey, man, here I am, Lord. Here I am, your son. When my son comes in and says, hey, Dad, can I ask you a question? Man, I totally love that. Because I'm like, yeah, man, come on in. Hang out. And he'll sit in my lap and... Sometimes you won't even have a real question. He'll be like, um, and you'll see him looking around trying to figure out what he's going to ask. And he's just in my lap. Or my daughter who comes and says, hey, dad, can, or, or I'll be laying on the couch. And sometimes she, she's got that whole mothering instinct going on at, at five now. And I'll feel her take a small blanket that doesn't even cover my chest. And she'll lay it on top of me and she'll tuck it in all around me. And she smooths it out. And I'm seriously in like this nap. And I'm just like, oh, this is so annoying. I'm trying to sleep. But, you know. This is great because it's her and she's loving me. And then all of a sudden you feel a little kiss on on the cheek. And then she'll be like yelling across the room. Hey, stop. Be quiet. Dad's asleep. And you're just like, she doesn't get it. But she gets it because she just wants to hang out with me and do nice things for me. And that's that's a great thing. And so it's the same way that God, he's like our father. And we should want to hang out and say, hey, you know, obviously we can't tuck God into bed because he doesn't sleep. But we can love them and we can care enough to say, hey, can you be quiet just so we can hear what dad's about to say? And so you may come face to face with some real tragedy, but God really just wants you to be alone with him. And then he's going to bring after that, he'll bring people to be around you like he brought David's brothers and the family. And then you see God brings to David his mom and his dad. And so your Christian life is either all about you 
It's either all about you or it's about everyone else. And there's a wrong and there's a right in that statement. If it's all about you, that's the wrong thing. And if it's about everyone else, that's the right thing. And you're like, well, you can't prove that. I can prove it. If you look at the Ten Commandments, the first set of commandments are all about God. The second set's all about someone else, not you. If you look at the Lord's Prayer, it's all about God in the first and all about others in the second half. Never does it say about the individual praying the prayer. It's never about us. See, if I take care of others, then God will take care of me. And others will take care of me. Remember we talked about that. If I take care of the guy that's standing here and he takes care of the guy next to him and they go around and we're all standing in a circle, eventually somebody's going to be taking care of me. Why? Well, I'm independent, man. I don't need... Yeah, so are we all. We all have certain things that we do on our own that we need to be independent about. But we also need to care enough about other people and to show that we care. And just like Eric said this morning, we were talking about some of those seven churches this morning and talking about if you look at those churches, there's only two churches in there that are perfect. You know, I asked the question, is there a perfect church? And some said no, but there are. The perfect church is the one of of, uh, Smyrna and Philadelphia. They're the only two churches where Jesus says or doesn't say, but I have this against you. He has nothing against those two churches. And when you read what those two churches went through, one was the church of brotherly love, and it went through persecution. And the church of Smyrna, well, it went through persecution as well. A lot of persecution. Polycarp, if you know who that is and you know your church history or any kind of history, world history, you'll see a man named Polycarp. And and so he was asked to to worship Caesar. And he said, I can't, I will not. And so they took him into the stadium and they were going to burn him at the stake. And, you know, people are always like, oh, you Christians, you guys are hard and mean and whatever. Well, you know, here's a guy named Polycarp, and he's just a, a pastor of a church. And they take him in, and they say, worship Caesar. And he says no. So they, all right, let's load it up. And they load up a bunch of wood, and they're going to nail him to a stake. And he says, no, you don't have to do that. I'll stay here. And as they light him on fire, he's the, the fire arcs over him, makes a big arc over him. And the crowd's like, no way. It's not The flame's not even burning him. And this is history. It's not some, some myth that's made up. And then the crowd starts to yell, sword him, sword him, which means kill him, stab him. And so they stab him. Guess what happens? They pull the sword out, and the blood shoots out of him and puts the fire out. And then he just lays there dead, and they rekindle the fire, and they burn him. All because of a dream that he had that his pillow caught on fire one night, and he told his friends, hey, you know what? That's going to be me in a few days. That dream came true. But they found out that more people came to the faith because of this man's death than he than would have came if he'd have been alive. And we think, well, that's harsh. Couldn't God do it another way? Sure he could. Sure he could. But what statement does that make if he'd have done it some other way by letting him live? It shows God's powerful. And plus, it's appointed a time for a man to die. So maybe that was his day. Wasn't a great way to die, but nonetheless, we all die. None of us knows how we're going to die. We all wish we die peacefully in our sleep. And so, you know, that's a great wish. So either the Christian life's either all about you or it's all about everyone else. All about everyone else. And that day becomes, when that day it becomes about everyone else, you're going to find God's willing and able to take care of you. That there's going to be, 
no more problems, no more issues. You're going to have those life issues, but they're not going to be as pressing as they normally were. Like, oh, now I've got to figure out how to do this because God says, you know what, I'm going to show you how to do it. I'll, I'll point you, I'll guide you. Life's never going to be easy, and we know that. So these guys come, you know, and this is funny to me. When you look at verse 2 again, you see who David gets. It says, and everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, everyone who was in discontented gathered to him. And so they all show up. So this one guy comes running into the cave and goes, hey, bro, what's up, David? David's like, dude, I'm going to tell you what's up. Well, here's the deal. And he starts going through the list of problems that he has. There's this crazy dude, Saul. You know Saul? Yeah, I know Saul. Well, guess what, man? He's been trying to kill me. He threw a spear at me a couple of times. I'm like, you know, I'm just in there playing my harp, jamming for him. I mean, if he didn't like the song, all he had to do was say he didn't like the song. He didn't have to throw a spear at me. I mean, what's up with that? And the other guy's like, yeah, wow, it's crazy. He's like, what are you doing here in this cave? Well, bro, you know, I, I see, David, is that your food? You got food to eat, right? Yeah. I don't even have that, David. I don't have a home anymore. I don't have a family. So here I am. And David's like, whoa. So my problems aren't really as bad as your problems. I mean, my family, they just, you know, they're here. They're in the back of the cave. Mom's cooking up some bagels and locks. And, and you, you don't have anything to eat? And then this other guy comes running in and is like, oh, boy, vey, you wouldn't believe what's going on. And David's like, what's up? He's like, man. Saul's trying to kill me. He's upset. I have no money to pay the taxes. He's like, yeah, yeah, I have no place to go. And this happens 400 times. Can you imagine hearing 400 guys running into your cave saying this to you? And David's kind of probably thinking like, whoa, wait a minute. See, sometimes God brings us people in our lives that have problems worse than us so we can actually step back and go, you know what? My life's really not that bad. You know, when I start thinking about my life being really bad, I think about my friend whose wife has such a rare cancer that only 65-year-old men get it. When my life really starts to seem really bad, I start to think about some of the stories that I hear when I'm on a Rachel's Vineyard retreat. You know, I didn't have that bad. I had it bad, but not that bad. Sometimes God brings those people in our lives so we can get a real perspective of really, you know what, is it really that bad? And you might have a really bad thing going on in your life, but I can guarantee there's always someone that's had worse. So what does the Bible say about what's behind the sin and suffering of this world? Well, it tells us there's a king that has been disowned, right? You see that now the nation of Israel has a king and he has been disowned and there's a lot of sin and suffering going on in that nation. And so the Bible tells us that same thing. And that king has been rejected by God, just like Saul. And Jesus spoke of him as the prince of this world, right? Jesus says that Satan is the prince of this world, and this world is held in his grip. And as we see Saul's grip on these verses, we can kind of see this this thing, this parallel. So David's rejected as king, and he would be a type of Jesus or a picture of Jesus as we think about it. And when we're distressed, the ones... We're those people that are distressed. And those people who are distressed, who do they run to? They run to the new king. David is the new king. He's been anointed by God as the new king of Israel. And so who runs to him? The same people that run to Jesus, the distressed, the ones who are in debt, the ones who have problems, the ones who are discontented. Isn't that who Jesus says? Come to me, all you who are heavy, have heavy burdens and weary, that if you take up my yoke, it's light. Give me yours. I'll go ahead and carry your heavy stuff. I'll take care of it for you. And so all these distressed people, 
And because of our, our sin, we, we become distressed because we tried to do it the way of the world. We tried to live according to the prince of this world's ways. And we find out that, you know what, it doesn't work. So we gather, there's a small remnant. And we'll see later on, this small remnant becomes a mighty force of fighting men. And they have to go out and do battle. The men that came to David became like him. They became like him. In much the same way, we become like Jesus. The key to greatness is to hang around with Jesus and make him your identity. The key to greatness with these guys is they start to hang around with David and they make David their identity. He is their king. And they're like, yeah, we're going to support you. We're going to go for it, bro. And you read of those mighty men of David and those stories, and they're short little stories, but there's one guy. He's the guy who chases a lion on a snowy day into a pit. Now, my first thought is like, who does that? Who just goes out on a snowy day, sees a lion, and says, I'm going to chase that thing. And then the lion tries to hide from him, jumps into a pit. Well, when you jump into a pit with a lion, it's probably going to be a lot of trouble for the guy jumping in there. And this guy comes out as the conqueror. And, and these guys, and we know that David's mighty because he killed a giant, right? With what? A slingshot and a rock? What the giant have? Full armor. Full armor. That'd be like your kid going out and playing football against a football team that's got all the money in the world to buy the best equipment. He's got this jacked-up helmet that somebody bought for him at a thrift store, a couple of pads missing in his pants, cracked shoulder pads, and he wins the football game. And we'd be like, there's no way that would ever happen. And so his men become mighty fighting men like David. They begin to have faith, and they begin to trust in God. These men left one kingdom to join another. They deserted one kingdom to join another, just like every Christian leaves one kingdom to join another. And not a Christian leaving one church to join another church, but one kingdom to join another kingdom, just like every true Christian. They believed that David was their anointed king, and they made a decision. They had a choice to follow him or not. And so they make this choice. Their belief in him led them to action. If you're taking notes, just write action. If you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it should lead you to action, not comfort. Comfort sometimes comes, but to action. We need to be those kind of people as well. It is one thing to believe in something that is true, but it's another thing to take a stand for it, to have faith in it. See, we can believe in George Washington because we know he existed, right? Anybody in this room ever see George Washington? No. This is a great argument for an atheist when they say, well, you can't see Jesus. You can't see George Washington either. Yeah, but we got paintings of him. Well, same thing with us. Well, that's not a true depiction. So? You think that's a true depiction of George Washington? You look at the $1 bill, and it's different than the one that hangs in the museum. And so here we go. You've never seen George Washington but you believe he existed. Why? Well, you know, history books tell about it. Okay, cool. Uh, a history book tells about Jesus. Most history books do. Your calendar proves it. What do you mean my calendar proves it? Oh, think about B.C. and A.D. If Jesus was really nothing, then where did the B.C. and A.D. come from? And now they're even trying to rewrite that. And say, so, yeah, that's cool. That's fine. Archaeology always proves, always proves what the Bible says. Always. There's some things that haven't been proven yet, but one day it will. 
Just like it took a couple of hundred years to prove that, well, the earth was round. All these crazy people are like, oh, don't go out there. You're going to fall off the end. Okay. Okay. We trust you, science. See, they're willing to give up the comforts of life to stand for this cause, no matter what the consequences, no matter who was going to make fun of them, no matter who was going to point their finger at them. You know, I was telling somebody the other day, I was like, you know, our persecution, our suffering right now is nothing like what the church of Smyrna had to go through. Where people were impaled with stakes, dipped in tar, caught on fire so some emperor could have a party. Because you were a Christian, that's what would happen. And that was a true test if you were going to be a Christian. I mean, think about that. If that was going on today, how many of you would wear a Christian t-shirt or put your Harvest America sticker on the back of your car? You might be like, there's no way. I don't want to be burned. I got kids. I got children to take care of. But that's what happened back in those days. Those were the things that happened. See, I think too many Christians are cowards. They're chickens because of a lack of faith. And here's the deal. They think that separation, that if they don't do this and they don't do that, if they don't drink and chew or date girls that do, that that's going to be okay. But it's not all about that. It's not just separation. It's not about what we don't do. It's about what we can do. And so over and over, we're told of a battle that we must fight. That's why we, it's, so we're told to put the full armor of God on. I mean, why would we put armor on if you're not going to battle, if there's not going to be a battle? I mean, who does that? Who does that in a time of peace? Why else does one suit up in armor and, and, and in a time of peace? Well, it's because there's not a time of peace for the Christian because we do a spiritual battle. It's spiritual. Look at verse 3. It says, Then David went from there to Mizpah of Moab, and he said to the king of Moab, Please let my father and my mother come here with you till I know that the, what, what God will do for me. So he brought them before the king of Moab. They dwelt with him all the time that David was in the stronghold. And so here, I think David sent his parents to Moab, and David realizes this is a battle that he has to really fight on his own. Sometimes you just, you know, we just need to fight battles on our own. We don't need a bunch of people around us. We don't need mommy and daddy to hold our hands through it anymore. Oh, we're grown up. And if you're not grown up, then sometimes there's still those battles that your children need to sink and fight on their own. If you don't let them, they're going to all, I mean, they're going to boomerang back every single time. They're going to keep coming back. And also, I think that David sent his parents to Moab because, well, guess whose great grandmother's from there? David. Remember Ruth and Boaz? So what is God doing? He's caring for David's family. And this happens when you get alone with God and you find yourself in his will that you don't have to worry about that stuff anymore, that God starts to take care of those little things on the outskirts, those things you used to stress about. God says, hey, I'm going to go ahead and take care of your family. You just keep on keeping on, Mark. You do what you need to do and be obedient to what I ask you to do. And I'm going to go ahead and take care of your family, whether you're in town or out of town. But, you know, I mean, it's just one of those things. It's like you've you got to do what God calls you to do and trust that God's going to take care of your family. Maybe God's calling you to go on a mission trip. And for you to chicken out and be worried about, well, who's going to, what, what if I die over there and who's going to take care of my kids? You know what? God will take care of those kids. If God's really calling you to that thing, whatever it is, wherever you go, then God's calling you. Go. So David returns and he moves his men to Masuda. He comes back from, from um, Moab and he moves his, his men to this place called Masuda, which means a fortress. And he's warned by uh, a prophet, if you look at verse 5 here, 
It says, Now the prophet Gad said to David, Do not stay in the stronghold anymore. Masuda means fortress or stronghold. So it could have been a very natural place, another cave. He says, Depart and go to the land of Judah. Go back to Judah. Judah means praise. Go back to praising God. So David departed and went to the forest of Hereth. He leaves and he goes to this forest. David hears from, from God through a prophet. He takes his advice. Sometimes, let me ask you this. Do people give you advice and you're just all like, well, you know, it's biblical. He used some verses, but I'm not going to do it. That could be God talking through another person. All a prophet means is not a person that foresees the future. Like, you know, the psychic hotline, which always cracked me up because when Dion Warwick ran that thing, she got lost driving home. It's like, man, if you're a psychic, wouldn't you know how to get home? And so it's not that kind of prophet. A prophet somebody that gives God's word. Gives God's word. God says, hey, say this and this will happen. It's not so they can get the glory of being that. And so to leave and head back to Judah to the place of praise. So God gives David guidance and advice. God did this, you know, for Saul at one time. But now he doesn't do it for Saul. He's not doing it. He's a man on his own, left to himself. And that's what happens. A lot of times we become so far we can't hear God and we're left to ourselves. And we see all of a sudden there's these problems in our life. And so God says, hey, okay, cool, man. I'm a gentleman. I'm going to honor what you want. If you don't want me in your life, I'm going to go ahead and stand back. I'll be here, but I'm going to stand back. I'm waiting, but I'm going to stand back and let you do what you need to do. So are you that kind of person who hears when God speaks through others? Or are you the one who thinks only God speaks through you to you? I don't need anyone else. That's not God. How do you know that's God? Well, weigh it through the scripture. That's why we always say, don't trust everything I say up here. Use this book and read through it yourself and check it out because I'm a man. I'm going to make mistakes. So this is a word for all of us who've gone to hide behind walls. Anybody ever do that? Try to hide from your problems, your situations. And so this, I think it's for us today is we need to get back to praising and letting the songs of deliverance flow from our lips to allow God to say, hey, you know what? Here you are. And so, you know, God's going to bring people to care for you. And he's going to bring those things that you want stressed over. He's going to let them and lay them to rest. But the question is, do you praise God every single day? Do you really praise God or do you just sing about him and just sing the words? Because you like the beat, you like the rhythm, or do you literally praise him? See, God doesn't leave you alone. He wants to be alone with you so he can use you as a vessel of honor. But he can't use you as a vessel of honor if you've got junk all over you. You may be familiar with David's story in the book of 1 Samuel, but did you know he was just one of many important characters from the verses of this Old Testament book? Many people's lives are intertwined to bring about God's plan, even some who weren't following their creator. God used each person to pave the way for David to ascend the throne and ultimately to bring about salvation for the entire world through his line. Today, you may be a David in your own world. God may be calling you to huge things that will take you to potentially dangerous but ultimately wonderful places. On the other hand, you might be someone God is using to prepare the way for another or to support them in their role. This doesn't in any way diminish your importance. Wherever you are in life, you can be demonstrating God to the world. If you'd like us to pray for you as you seek God's will for your life, please give us a call. We can be reached at 281-391-5503. That number again is 281-391-5503. 
If you'd like to hear today's message again or listen to other editions of Come Alive, we'd like to encourage you to subscribe to our podcast. Find us on your smartphone app store or subscribe on iTunes. You'll receive up-to-date teachings as soon as we make them available. That's all we have time for today. Join us next time to continue studying through 1 Samuel right here on Come Alive. Come Alive.